What's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here, and you're listening to I See Things a Little Differently. Peace. When I completely forget about the heavyweight championship match with two people I genuinely enjoy watching, you know you had a good show. And today was my first time, it was history for me and for this podcast, it was the first time I was finally able to sit down while a AEW pay-per-view is live and watch it. It almost didn't happen. So I thought for some reason that Fighting Network had AEW pay-per-views, which they don't. So Bleacher Report is not uh, currently offered on PS5 or my LG TV that I have. So... I had to watch it on my phone until I realized I have an iPad. I could watch it on my iPad. So by the time I started watching it on my iPad, it was the main event. Either way, lesson learned. I still got a chance to watch it, even though it's on my phone, which is freaking annoying. But overall, I thought it was a good show. Um, I was looking forward to it. As you guys know, I, was, I even said to you guys, I was even thinking about going to the show. I just didn't want to do it. I think if I'm going to go to a show, it's going to be double or nothing or uh, all out. And... and because I want to experience it like the entire weekend, like Saturday and Sunday. Um, I want to experience it in full. Like I want to go to the fan fest. I want to be able to go do all, get autographs, and then I want to go to the show. So I want to do the entire thing, and I just didn't. I just didn't want to do that for this one. Like I wanted to watch it for sure. I just didn't want to do it. But um, this is part two of episode one eighty four. As you hear this, you might be hearing this. You should hear this after, because I part, dropped part one on Sunday, and along with the match of the month. So you will get part two on Monday, even though I'm recording this Sunday night. So we're going to talk about a number of things AEW. Um, what do I want to start with, though? Let's start, before we get to the pay-per-view, let's start with two things. So... <clears throat> I didn't have much to say on part one because I wanted to really give it a couple weeks to think about it. But after watching the show tonight, I think I want to talk about my first impressions of the ROH buyout. One is clearly they had no option. Two, um, I don't know what I feel about it still. Like, I, I see benefits of it. Like, the first thing I thought about like tonight, after seeing a number of things that were clearly ROH um, influenced, I said, my God, this means we're definitely seeing the Briscoes in AEW. Because I'm still assuming that ROH wouldn't have continued to announce that this, this buyout was something that was happening. They knew it, right? And apparently WWE and, R and AEW were both trying to buy it. Now, I think... WWE was just trying to buy the... Well, they are trying to buy intellectual property and the video library, but they were going to use it mainly for the video library. Um, but AEW, I, I believe Tony Khan really wants to do something with his brand. Um, but one of the first things I thought about was, that means we're going to see Samoa Joe, the Briscoes, on AEW television. I would assume now there's a platform to watch the, the ROH Hall of Fame. Um, I, I, supposedly, Supercar of Honor is... In kind of flux, I would have to imagine he's going to allow all these things to continue to happen. Um, but I don't know what I think about this though. 
I still am very conflicted because I'm like, man, like, you know, we all knew ROH was dead, but like now they can actually talk about the history of ROH. You heard a lot of this stuff tonight. You saw the handshake that at the end that Hangman did with Adam Cole, which is, I thought was funny. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but I feel like I don't know if this was a win or not. I don't know if it was big for wrestling. I don't I don't know what it is. It's just a situation that's currently here. You know, and me as a a podcaster, it's not necessarily good to say that I don't know what to say about it, but I don't. I'm not going to lie about it either. I just don't know what to feel about it. I think some of the benefits I've already seen is just the CM Punk entrance where he used his old music. He wore his old ROH gear. Uh, I feel like that that they I don't think Tony Khan will let the brand die for sure. Like it may have happened already. Um, however, me personally, as of right now, I don't know what to think still. And I saw some benefits tonight, but I, I guess it's a wait and see kind of thing. And then I'll give my opinion a few months from now. So, uh, I have to apologize on that one. Sorry, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But, um, yeah, and the last thing before we get to the review, I'm talking about Series 9 of the figures. They went for pre-order. It is the only time that, I, I remember when they first announced this wave. And it's the Unrivaled Wave, Series 9, where it has... Eddie Kingston, Thunder Rosa, Powerhouse Hobbs, Christian Cage. Um, who else? Ricky Starks and someone else. I'm trying to think of who would who, who all this. I need to look it up. Oh, sorry, guys. Hold on one second. I don't remember number six. Um, let's see. All right. So, Unrivaled Collection 9. Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, Christian Cage, Thunder Rosa, and Powerhouse. I was, when I saw this wave first announced, my first thought was, this is the only wave I've ever seen between Marvel, DC, and wrestling that I actually wanted every single figure. And even though I have the Christian Cage that I have now autographed and all that stuff, that's still cool. But I still want this Christian. I'm such a that's I'm just such a Christian fan that you guys know that I, even though I'm not a devil's kind of person, air quotes, no air quotes, because you doing air quotes, um, I still want this figure. And so it was the only way I was going to get it in full, its entirety, right? On purpose. Usually if I ended up with the full wave, it's been by accident. Like example, I didn't buy FTR from offline, I didn't pre-order. I just so happened to be, be in the stores and FTR was there, so I picked FTR up. But like, for me, I just, I don't know, just not full. I'm, 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 I don't think I'm in the minority when it comes to that. You know, I truly believe like, um, I truly believe that 85% of people feel the same way I feel. That they very rarely want all six figures in the wave. But they had a fan uh, fair this week at AEW. And the images, the first images of this wave was dropped. Boy, oh boy, this is a terrible looking wave. Now, I still got it because it went for pre-order. And I don't think it's going to be out until like August or something like that. But my God, sweet baby Jesus off the cross. This wave is a terrible looking wave. Like, not, like the scans are fucking horrible. Christian looks like he's 85 years old. He looks terrible. Uh, Thunder Rosa does not look too bad. 
and neither does Ricky Starks. But Powerhouse Hobbs, I can't even think, I can't even say what I want to say without potentially being canceled. It just looks like a bad wave. And I thought about it, I was like, man, I don't think I've seen a wave that looked this bad since wave one. But even then, wave one has the excuse of being wave one. So the novelty of wave one is just there, right? Um, I'm assuming these are the these are the first. Like, even A. Kingston, he looks like a generic, made up rapper in the 1990s. Like he looks fucking awful. And by what I'm assuming is these are just like the first prototypes of these figures. And I and I remember vividly. And I said this to someone else. I remember being at C2E2. I said this on the show, I think, too. Uh, before the Wave 1 figures dropped. And I remember saying to myself, huh, these don't look that good. And they didn't look much better. <laughs> but they had changed them up a little bit from what I had remembered. Because I remember I took a picture of them. But I remember they had them in this glass case. Same thing they had. Because they had the uh, little small unrivaled ring. And they had them in this glass case. And like didn't... I think I was... It was only for one day. But I remember vividly... They removed the top at one point in time. Just let them out and they said, do not touch. Um, so I'm assuming they're going to look better by the time August hits. Because August is a while away. But duh, Jesus Christ, it looked fucking terrible. I saw that and was like, ugh, yikes. So um, I said to talk about those two things. Anyways, let's, let's get to Revolution. The Revolution starts out with Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. Um, I thought this was a good, good match. I can't... <laughs> Even though I felt like this was a predictable pay-per-view, I think it was a necessary pay-per-view. Like, the one guy to put over Kingston the first, what had, Jericho was just, I feel very giving. Him and Brian Danielson are just very giving. And I, th- I thought this was good. You know, and, and, and someone, te- Jonathan Esther texted me and said, hey, this was, this was ugly. I said, well, oh, Eddie Kingston really can't wrestle. <laughs> you know, but his, his, his appeal is that he's a fighter. That's the appeal. It's not that I don't want to see A. Kingston doing a bunch of fucking wrestling holds and uh, catches, catch can stuff. You know, I want to see th- this kind of type of stuff from him. And I think he, and him having this match with Jericho, it just brings ter- character development for both of them. Like after he makes Jericho tap out, yes, he made Jericho tap. Um, he's like, "Come on, Jericho, I respect you. Now shake my hand." And now you you don't hear Eddie Kingston say very much who he respects, as far as just like. Him laying that guard down, you know. Um, but I thought this was good for what it was. It was short to the point. Um, like I said, I don't see Ed King. I, I can see Ed Kingston being one of those guys that you give the World Heavyweight Championship to just to take it away from him. Just to piss the fans off. Just to put heat on that heel. That's 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 just what I feel when I see Ed Kingston. You know what I'm saying? I don't see long title runs. I see moments. And when I see him, I swear, I don't, I don't know who he would ever beat for the title. But I can see him winning the title, and then something happening right afterwards. Where, like, I'm not, they don't have they don't have money in their bank or anything. But, like, I can see a cash-in, air quotes, type thing happening. To where someone's promised something, and then he ends up giving it to him, and then he gets beat. And then you just get mega heat on that person afterwards. Um, in this match was a crazy spot where... All night was fucking crazy spots. Like Jericho and Eddie Kingston are on the apron. He does a suplex off the apron onto the ground. Who told these AEW wrestlers to do this these this this night? This night was freaking bananas. So um, that's just uh, that's just me. 
at the end of the match, like I said, Jericho refused to shake A. Kingston's hand. The next match was the Young Bucks, Red Dragon, and Jurassic Express for the Tag Team Championships. I felt like this match was a little sloppy. See, I love triple threat matches. I've never loved triple threat tag team matches. Because it's just too much going on. You can't the, the, you can't have the same dynamic. A triple threat match is mainly one-on-one matches. You know, if you think about it. What, when you have a triple threat tag team match, now you have to incorporate all three people in the ring at once. I wasn't a big fan of this match. Um, I felt it was a little sloppy in the end as well. Especially when you see that uh, Luchasaurus missed the kick on uh, Matt Jackson. He had his hand and, and he, they, they tried to save it. But in the end, it, it was the right team uh, winning, which is Jurassic Express, uh, retaining the tag team titles. Um, all this was formulaic, formulaic, because the Bucks and Red Dragon weren't going to keep up the, the the helping each other for too long, because it's only going to be one tag team champion. So that's what happened there. The Bucks took the fall, by the way. Up next, the ladder match, which was all sorts of fucking crazy. First of all, the, the spots in this match that were just cool to me was seeing how many different ways Orange Cassidy could try to get to the ring without actually having to fight. At one point in time, uh, I believe Keith Lee had Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs in the headlock, and Orange Cassidy literally just jumps on Keith Lee's back to try to reach it. Another spot where uh, <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs is one uh, side of the ladder, Keith Lee is the other side. They, have, they pick up Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy does essentially a flip-up, to on top of the ladder just to try to get the ring. They end up shaking the ladder. He drops and hit as Taz says hits his yam bags. Um, the spots in this thing were crazy. Um, to me, the winner had to be Wardlow. He was the hottest one of them all. He's the one that they're clearly pushing to the moon right now. Uh, Wardlow, Wardlow does win. This was literally a train wreck. I thought it was good. Um, next up, it, it's true. Uh, Shane Strickland. Shane Swerve Strickland. Came out, signed his AEW contract, cut a promo. I didn't really listen to the promo, if I'm being honest with you. I put it on mute at that point because I was doing some other stuff. But um, this was essentially announced, and we knew we knew what was happening. So congratulations to him. Uh, Jay Gargill had the uh, Jay Gargill had the live entrance um, treatment against Tay Conte. Um, the match started off with these two having a stare off, and then Jay Cargill just kissed her. And and, and 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 Jim Ross was like, "What the hell was that?" And it was so funny. Someone posted a picture on Instagram. I have no clue who this person was in the comments, but they said, "God damn it, Twitter's gonna go crazy now." <laughs> when I read that, I said, "Why is that your first concern?" legitimately your first concern is twitter going crazy i mean uh, who cares two hot women kissing i mean sign me up <laughs> you know um but anyway this is this was like a really different dynamic because tay conte and anna jay were cheating their butts off um and, they, and this just made jay look like a million bucks they hit her with chairs everything they freaking could and Jade, in the end, still got the win. She's 29-0. I don't know who beats her for the TBS championship. I would need to actually sit back and think about it. But it would have to be a big deal. When she, uh, I'm assuming everything goes right. Either double or nothing. 
or all out she loses that championship. It's going to be at a pay-per-view. I don't see it being on TV. I think if they're going to do it on TV, because I know there's a Battle of the Belts 2 coming up. I think if they do on TV, it'll have to be at one of those. But I just think they're putting her over so strong, and there's no nothing, there's nothing to do with her at the moment with the AEW Women's Championship, because that, 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 that scene is occupied. I think this is the best place for her, so... We'll see. Next up was a dog collar match. MJF versus CM Punk. This is one of the first benefits I was talking about with the ROH purchase. Uh, Punk came out in his old uh, ROH outfit, his old ROH music. Like, people didn't know what to think at first. And then all of a sudden, the music starts playing. And then, and then you see the crowd where it's like, oh, they, they, they get it now. They haven't heard it in 20 something years, you know? Um, so that's one of the first benefits of having it. Um, Punk's face looked absolutely disgusting. He was the first one to get busted open. He looked absolutely dreadful. Like I saw it was like, okay, that's too much fucking blood. And I think I, I don't think I've said some stuff tonight. I was watching it by myself, obviously. No one loves me. But I saw some stuff tonight. I was like, wow, that is where'd that come from? I just I literally yelled out loud like three times. And I was like, this is freaking crazy. Um Punk's face looks disgusting. MJF got hit with a knee after Punk put the chain around his knee and hit him with it. He fell outside, put his head underneath the ring. I immediately knew what he was doing. He was blading. He didn't look nearly as bad, but it was still one of those things that you could see tell what was going on. Punk, not Punk, MJF then introduced thumbtacks. Um, they uh, first he, I believe he suplexed Punk into, yeah, he superplexed Punk into some. Some of them, but it, it, it didn't happen all the way, right? It was like just like three or four in his back. I'm sure MJF had a couple of them. It wasn't that bad. It'll get worse. Well, towards the end of the match, MJF calls out Wardlow. Well, Wardlow walks out in the suit. He's looking for the dynamite ring. He can't find it. Uh, MJF's like, "What the? What, what's going on?" He turns into a GTS. Then he falls all in the thumbtacks himself. Holy crap on a cracker, Batman. All of a sudden, Warlow looks at the crowd and he remembers he looked, he went in the wrong pocket. That can happen, you know? And so he, he pulls out the dynamite ring. He looks at Punk. He puts the ring. He isn't handing the ring. He just, all this is deniable. All this could have been unintentional, right? Because MJF did want the ring. So he just puts the ring at, at the little, under the bottom, uh, under the very bottom rope. Then he walks away. Crowd goes bananas for this, and it wouldn't be the last time they'll go bananas. And so, um, Punk puts the ring on, he picks MJF up, he's about to hit him with the ring. MJF spits on him, and then Punk just decks him with the ring and gets the victory. This will end this feud for this moment because now MJF is gonna go off. And it looks like his, and the split looks like it's happening right now between him and Wardlow, as Wardlow is scheduled to get his TNT championship match. Uh, I think it's St. Patty's Day, uh, some type of dynamite theme. And my first thought was, well, Guevara is going to defend his two belts this week against Scorpio Sky, which I did not know Scorpio Sky had not lost in a year. What a streak that is. Um, obviously, he's losing now. <laughs> but my first thought was, uh, Wardlow's going to win. Well, am I sure now? We've already seen MJF cost Wardlow a match. So I'm not so sure that TNT Championship is guaranteed to go around Warlow's waist. Now, would it be smart to put her on his waist? I think I think they're gonna put her on his waist. I think he's gonna win despite all that stuff. Um, but I can see him losing though. I wouldn't be surprised at that either though. Next up, Thunder Rosa versus 
Britt Baker DMD. This match was cold. This feud was cold. This 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 did not. I, I said this during my predictions. If you guys didn't catch them out there in the archives, I said this did not feel like a championship change. It just didn't. It was too cold. It was not enough build to it. It was so random. Why is that? Why would Britt cost Thunder Rosa? The TBS championship just to bring attention to her championship. By the way, Britt Baker introduced the new AEW Women's World Heavyweight Championship. Isn't this the third design now for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship? Women's Championship? I feel like this is the third design because I feel like they had the first design, which was the tiny belt, that Rio Nyla Rose held, then Hakira Shida held. And then the week before last year's Double or Nothing, before she lost it, they presented her with the new title which was her second design, and now it's a third different design. So I don't get that, but whatever. Either way, this match was not good to me. I didn't enjoy it because um, it felt cold. And with all the out tonight, had a, I will say this, it was annoying. Too much outside interference, too many ways to make the referees look dumb. I didn't like any of that tonight. Um, however, this match, I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it because it just felt cold. And I feel like, yeah, she got the win. Britt Baker got the win with the stomp. But obviously, this is leading to a rematch. Now they have a chance to actually build this thing up. But now you got to think about Now we have two months, literally two months, over two months now. Because Double or Nothing isn't until May 29th. So literally over two months to wait for this rematch. F is going to happen, but I think it's going to happen. I think Thunder Rosa should be the one to take the belt off of her. Considering that she did beat her, but she beat her in a non-sanctioned match. So, but I didn't like this at all. Next up was probably the best match on the night. John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. This was what you call a strong style match. This was great. I loved every second of this. These two beat the hell out of each other. They both bled. Moxley bled buckets. Brian bled just a little bit. This was a strong style match if they ever had one. The end, the, the end came out of nowhere. So Brian had the, tri the triangle locked in. Moxley was a great counter, but Brian wouldn't let go of it. So the referees are counting to three. All of a sudden, Brian pushed the referee. These two, Moxley and Brian, beat. They're still brawling at the end of it. All out of freaking nowhere. All you see is William Regal come. I'm like, I yelled out loud, I was like, "Oh my God, he's there!" I can. I didn't. I just didn't think of Regal. You know, I just. So many people have been fired from WWE. At this point, it's like they're gonna show up somewhere. Sure, I just forget about all of them because I'm like, I don't want to get my hopes up. But at the same time, I'm kind of like this, whatever. This is a great way to introduce him. Regal comes out, says, you two need to shake hands. Moxley's talking back to him. Regal slaps the hell out of Moxley and, and then headbutts him. And then Brian's laughing. He smacks Brian and tells Brian to shut up. Then he makes them shake hands. Brian leaves with Regal. Moxley stays in the ring. And Shivine says something very interesting on commentary. He said, are we seeing the transform uh, the formation of a new tag team. And I was like, oh my. I thought they were going to make a faction. If you put these two in the tag team ranks, this could be fun. I think they need to win those tag team championships, though. You know, that would be fun to watch, though. You know, but boy, this, to me, this was the best match on the card tonight. That happened. I thought so. I was looking forward to it. I actually didn't know the fun fact either that Brian Danielson had never lost to Moxley until just now. And the way he lost was the desperation roll, which was just, it was a good, it came out of nowhere, but I still enjoyed everything about this. The William Regal connection now, he's going to be the one to say, hey, you guys need to be working together. Like, I love where this is going already, and I don't know where this is going. 
fantastic stuff. Turn the page on those. Now, this match came out of nowhere. I didn't see... I was not looking forward to this match. I thought this should have been on the buy-in. Let me see Chris Statlander all day, as opposed to this. It was a six-man trios match. First of all, I didn't know it was Tornado Rules, so that does help it out with me. But you had Andrade, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassie versus Sting, Darby, and Sammy Guevara. Remember, Sammy Guevara and Darby had some issues because Darby wouldn't shake Sammy's hands after Rampage, right? Well, all of a sudden, I'm sitting back, and I'm sitting there just do, 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 writing some stuff down. I look over, I'm like, this is actually a fucking good match, right? I'm like, I'm talking to myself. I'm like, I can't believe this is a good fucking match, right? All of a sudden, I see some of the craziest shit I think I've ever seen. First of all, Sting, Darby, and Sammy destroy the assi- Andrade's assistant to start the match. Then, at that, Darby just gets Andrade in a sequence that was amazing. He whacks Darby so hard with a chair. Darby falls. He didn't take Sammy Guevara with a suplex position. Throws him stomach first on the gargrail. I was like, holy crap on a cracker. What are they doing to each other? And then, all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, whatever the bleep it was... Isaiah Cassidy and Darby on top of the stage said, he, he says, I'm a little crazy. You're damn, I said, please don't do this, Sammy. Then there was two chair, two tables, excuse me, uh, waiting for them. They do a Spanish fly from the top of it. One table does not break. The other table just collapses. So neither table actually breaks. On the stage, holy crap, on a cracker. I said, what the fuck is going on right now? These people are crazy, literally crazy. And then that wasn't even the craziest thing that someone took. You had 62-year-old Sting. So first of all, they put set all these tables up. It reminds me of the Royal Rumble from 2000 when they're on the set. And um, uh, and I think it's Jeff who did a swanton on Bubba on the tables, right? To put him to, there was a tables match. Sell his tables up. So no, someone's going through them, right? So Matt Hardy and Sting are up there. I'm like, all right, that they're not gonna be a part of it. That's cool, whatever. Then you have Darby and Andrade, right? So Andrade gets laid out on the table. So I'm like, all right, cool. So all of a sudden, I see Sting punching Matt. I'm like, that's weird. That makes it look like St-. I literally, I literally said this to myself. I said that's really weird because the way they're doing this right now, they're setting us up for Sting to do the jump, which that's not. We know, we know it's not gonna happen, right? All of a sudden, I said, oh, Sting's gonna fucking jump. I said, no, he's not. So Sting just looks around. He gets on top. The, the crowd is going crazy. All of a sudden, Sting is the one who jumps off, puts goes through three tables with Andrade. 62-year-old, broken fucking neck Sting is the one doing this. I'm looking around. He's been around Darby Allen way too long. Darby Allen is the eggs. In that, I'm dating myself. I don't give a fuck. Darby Allen is going to say, hey, this is your brain on drugs. He is the egg of the brain on drugs to sting. Because he's convincing this he's convincing this legend, this Hall of Famer, to be a crazy person at the wrong age. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck am I watching? And why is the six-man tag so good before the fucking main event? I literally forgot about the main event until I think it was... Excalibur that said we still have the world championship match to go and I was like there's still one more match what the fuck you know um the, the Sting, Sting Darby and Sammy get the victory uh thanks to Sting uh no Darby hitting the coffin drop on uh Matt Hardy he barely nailed the coffin drop too but what a six-man attack that was and then you had oh my uh 
I, I stopped because I was like, what's that sound? I was like, oh, my mirror fire is about to go off. Um, but no, then you had the main event of Adam Hangman Page, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and Adam Cole going at it. The crowd was definitely mixed. I didn't know. They said it was, it was a hometown crowd for Adam Cole, but I guess from the NXT days, because I thought he was from, I thought he was from Virginia or something like that. I know Adam Cole, I know, excuse me, I know Adam Page is from uh, Virginia, but I thought Adam Cole's from, like, Virginia or somewhere. Anyways, I think they, I think he had the home field advantage because he was from NXT. And remember, he never went to the main roster. So that, that made so that made sense. And this was a good match, too. Um, it was overshadowed, without a doubt. Um, but this is another good title defense for Hangman Page. He gets to win. So I thought, overall, this was a great pay-per-view. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm actually going to go to Double or Nothing. Um, I, 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 I said Double or Nothing all out, but... More than like I'm gonna go double or nothing. I'm, I'm gonna be more on top of my game when about when tickets go on sale and shit like that. I'm gonna be one of the first ones to buy them. So, hey, it was overall a great show. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed part ones and part two, uh, part one and part two of this uh, episode. The Batman review is episode two. I mean, episode uh, Wednesday. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed the match of the month. So, um, I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. I am the Soul Chemical, and I am out.